0: Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. We recently covered the story about Chinese companies purchasing American farmland. Right now, the total amount of farmland owned by Chinese companies is not substantial on paper. However, Congressman Dan Newhouse says the trend is alarming. He shared his concerns with us and also the pushback he's been facing on the issue. Carsman Dan Newhouse, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be with you, yes, thank you. Carsman, you've been one of the leading voices when it comes to uh, China, specifically Chinese entities purchasing U.S. agricultural land. Uh, tell us why that is and what has you concerned?
1: We've been seeing an increase in interest and purchase of agricultural assets in our country, in the United States. Uh, by, by Chinese firms, um, increased by a factor of 10 over, say, the last decade. Uh, frankly, overall, the number of acres owned, American farmland uh, acres, uh, is, is not huge. The trend is concerning. And um, I've been watching um, what's happening around the world as China Uh, looks to expand its sphere of influence and and, uh, control more and more resources and pieces of infrastructure. I took a trip several years ago to Central and South America and saw firsthand some of the things that they've done uh, down there and have heard stories about some of the activities they're involved with in other continents, like Africa, and started to look around and see, huh, those things are happening here in the United States as well. And um, a lot of people aren't paying attention to the fact that uh, China is becoming a much bigger player in the agricultural industry in the United States.
0: Can you tell us about that amendment that you mentioned?
1: Absolutely. It, actually, this has been going on now for two appropriation seasons. It's just an effort to preclude uh, China uh, from purchasing agricultural assets. And so, as you can imagine, there were some pushback. Um, th- we 're we're in a period of time where um, many people raised a, a concern uh, that this would actually um, target Chinese people in the United States, and that was not our intention, so we, we made some adjustments to that, and then other people were uh, concerned that why are you targeting just one country? China's the only one that 's doing this that uh, you know we, we look at other Other countries that are not allies, such as Russia, North Korea, Iran, they're not engaged uh, nearly to the extent and can't, uh, in the cases of several of those countries, don't have the financial wherewithal to do what China is doing. But China is very engaged.
0: I mean, it's a whole different discussion to talk about how China uses disinformation campaigns to manipulate the conversation. By they could be the ones behind that uh, narrative, saying that it targets Chinese people.
1: Well, you, you you probably know a little bit more about that than I do. But you're absolutely right. I think that the, some of the resistance and some of the pushback that we felt over the last year uh, could exactly could very well have originated uh, from them because they have a lot on the line, a lot, a lot uh, invested in our country, and they want to protect that. And, and the amendment passed uh, unanimously a year ago through the Appropriations Committee. I was very happy about that. But then through the um, Bringing the bill to the Rules Committee and eventually to the floor, it had it went through a couple more iterations. It added those other countries, put in some language so that it wouldn't be seen as just targeting Chinese uh, individuals, uh, and so we tried to be more specific about about the intention. And then by the time it got through the conference process between the Senate and the House, essentially it was um, narrowed down to just asking. The Department of Agriculture for a report on how much uh, China has has purchased over the last several years. So, and frankly, I'm not even sure we've gotten that report yet from the USDA. So, my, the effort was redoubled to do this again with another attempt in language at the appropriations level in the committee, and then also standalone legislation so that uh, we could address this head-on.
0: So We were having a chat earlier about uh, China owning or having 50% of the world's grain supply. Um, There's talk of food shortages. We're seeing the inflation through various uh, things that we purchase in the supermarket. Um, Can you tell us, are there regulatory barriers that can be broken down to help uh, relieve some of this pain for
1: farmers. One thing that many people have heard of is the Waters of the United States regulations. The Waters of the United States, has become known as WOTUS, which is, in my estimation, truly the the most egregious uh, regulatory overreach by the federal government ever. This will dictate how how every farmer in the country uses their their land. They actually they have to get a permit through the federal government, and this isn't just um, uh, you know, wild talk, to potentially change crops, to plow in the spring, depending on what, the, what water bodies are in the na- neighboring area or on their land that would impact uh, what's seen as po- a water pollution. States are already doing a lot of this kind of stuff. We have regulations that were put in place under the last administration. This administration wants to go, go back to the Obama era, which was very, very um, uh, egregious as far as the restrictions that it put on farmers and that mandated, dictated to them how they actually ran their farms. So we want to put a hold on that. There's other things that are happening in the Environmental Protection Agency.
0: Congressman Dan Newhouse, thank you.
1: Thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: Dr. Anthony Fauci announced that he will be stepping down from the White House chief medical advisor role by the end of President Biden's current term. However, there are still some questions as to whether or not that will happen. What are some takeaways from the prospect of Fauci's retirement? Rick Mehta is a former FDA official and current law professor at Georgetown University. And he joins us to discuss. Rick Mehta, thank you so much for joining us on the Capitol Report. My pleasure. Rick, news has uh, broke yesterday that Dr. Fauci will be leaving his post uh, by the end of President Biden's term, which is roughly 2025, assuming he goes uh, to the full term. What is your reaction to that?
2: Well, listen, Dr. Fauci has been in office for over 50 years. He's been the director of the uh, National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984. Uh, there's two really proud moments in every bureaucrat's uh, life uh, when they first get their government job and their last day, of their government job. And the truth is, I think Dr. Fauci has overextended his stay in his bureaucratic position. I think he sees the writing on the wall. Republicans are going to take control of the House and the Senate, uh, and he's going to come under more strict scrutiny uh, and congressional hearings about the gain of function of the virus. And I think he's not looking interested uh, anymore to be in the hot seat.
0: Rick, a lot has happened since the early stages of the pandemic when uh, we faced uh, you know, masking and and lockdowns, you know, we've had the vaccine rolled out. What are some of the most obvious things that have changed with the science and the data uh, from from the earlier time?
2: Well, listen, Dr. Fauci has continued to misdirect the American public. When it first started, uh, we were reassured that we would reach herd immunity and that everyone should get vaccinated. Uh, Now they're forcing vaccinations upon uh, the American public, telling them to get booster upon booster. Uh, And then we're seeing a spike in COVID cases among those that are currently vaccinated. Uh, We saw a complete disrespect for our constitutional rights during the entire COVID pandemic. Uh, We saw lockdowns, uh, mandatory lockdowns and mandatory masking that were continue to be slapped down uh, by the federal court systems. Uh, And so, you know, public health has been the musings and whims of a few bureaucrats without respect to constitutional rights, and that's continuing to change. In fact, Dr. Fauci himself admitted uh, just the other day uh, that COVID is here to stay uh, and he's encouraging that this is going to be like the flu uh, where everyone will be vaccinated uh, year upon year. And so, you know, I think the American public has lost a lot of confidence in our response to public health. I think the American public is ready to move on with new public health acumen and leadership, uh, but one that also respects constitutional rights. I think that's changed significantly.
0: Rick, to your point, we're starting to see places like uh, Los Angeles now starting to mandate masking up indoors uh, yet again. Uh, This has also been now supported by one of President Biden's COVID experts. Why do you think uh, there is a certain refusal to acknowledge the science, at least on the uh, on the masks?
2: Well, I think a lot has to do with the misinformation that's been um, put out there. You know, what are the studies that that the Fauci administration, Fauci's team has relied on along with the CDC to say that masking is going to uh, reduce or curtail the spread of the virus. And I think it's that kind of um, lack of scientific uh, basis in terms of their decision making because at the same time we're continuing to see spikes in COVID without it being tailored based on an evidence-based approach.
0: Now, trust has been eroded uh, to a certain extent. How do you think it can be restored? And is there a fear that if there is a real serious situation, another you know global pandemic or epidemic uh, in the future, that people will be less likely to react now?
2: We need answers. Uh, the American public is built off of transparency, and we saw. Uh, with the origins of the virus, we never got answers on gain-of-function research. We never got answers on whether or not the strain was leaked from the Wuhan laboratories. But the first step is to re- in rebuilding American trust is to create transparency around what happened, what were the origins, who was responsible, and what's the accountability. That's step one. Step two, it's got to be an evidence-based response. You know, if you tell the American public that they have to mask up or they have to get vaccinated, uh then make sure it's supported by uh, continuing evidence to the American public versus a top-down, I know best, do what I tell you, uh, and you will be fine. That kind of approach hasn't been working with the majority of the American public, especially in those that are in uh, Republican states. Uh, so, you know, once we have some more uh, clarity from the scientific perspective, I think that we will, again, restore American public and American trust.
0: Rick Mehta, appreciate your insights. White House Chief Medical Advisor Anthony Fauci today clarified that he does not plan to retire. That's after he said yesterday that he was going to step down from his position at the end of President Biden's term. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.